Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast with your host, me, Chanel Patrice Hancock, here in Akron, Ohio, where it's a chilly 63 degrees outside. It was much nicer yesterday. But you know how Ohio weather is here in the States? It's unpredictable. One minute we're smoking, and the next minute we're freezing. Well, I want to thank everybody for jumping on the Women in Language um, four-day podcast episode bandwagon that I started yesterday. So I will be talking a little bit about day two um, on this podcast, which will be episode 177. But first, I want to thank the lovely sponsors who keep the lights on Anchor.fm, who let me have a voice and be able to speak about language learning for the past 28 months. And if it wasn't for their accessible podcast app, website, I wouldn't be able to reach over 112 countries around the world in 42 states here in the U.S. in under three years. And to be able to have people listen to me every week, week in and week out, and still love it, regardless if I don't edit, regardless if I just turn on the microphone and just start speaking my point of view about language learning and interview other people's points of view about language learning, whether you're disabled, whether you're non-disabled, whether you're a novelist, whether this is a hobby, whether you're doing it for a career, whether you're moving to another country to go to school, get married or live, this is the podcast for you. And I'm going to start off by saying that today started a little bit earlier than yesterday. Um, I actually didn't get started with women in language until about a quarter to eight Eastern Standard Time. And Lena Vasquez of LenaVasquez.com, who is a language coach, a business entrepreneur, a polyglot, a blogger, a YouTuber. And I loved her talk because she talked about identity in regards to where you're from, what languages you speak, how people perceive you, when you're speaking a particular language, even if you have a last name that is not your birth last name, but it might be your adopted last name, like in her case, um, people perceived her based off of her looks, based off of the languages she spoke, the questions she answered in regards to where she was from, and You know, I can definitely identify with that because when you're in a situation where you're speaking a language that you claim as your own, you might not be a native speaker of the language, you might not be born in that country, but there was something that connected you to the country and the language and the people and the food and the environment so much you wanted to really immerse yourself into that language to where you claimed it as your own. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I claim French, Italian, Russian, Arabic, 
Swahili, Cantonese. As my languages of choice. And I'm not French and I'm not Italian. I'm not Russian. Uh, Swahili is one of my heritage languages along with Irish. Which I just found out recently. You know, um, Arabic's not my... You know, I'm not Arab. I'm African American. I'm legally blind. You know, I'm partial. Um, And, you know, I have a lot of other ethnicities in my bloodline genetically but I felt a pull to these cultures these people I felt that they were my people as well and I can identify with this talk because I've been in situations where you've seen people that you've talked to in the target language and they think that because you have an accent oh well you're not native well, you don't have to be as long as you're attempting to speak the language in a comfortable way that's comfortable for you. It's not really up to somebody else to stereotype you or prejudge you because you're not from that country originally. You have no relatives or you didn't set roots down from birth. You know, people can set roots down in any type of country um, that they choose, you know, if they decide to move there for work, school, personal reasons. There's something about that language that really is um, pulling them towards it. And that doesn't mean that you're a third culture adult that just means that you're a global citizen. And I like to even say myself that when I define who my identity is, and it does change and evolve over time because you grow and you learn. Um, and Lena talks about that as well. Um, that, you know, this way, if you say you're a global citizen or you're speaking French or Italian or or Russian, you know, sometimes I will speak those languages and people don't really know that I'm American because my accent is that good. Well, a lot of it's due to me, you know, really becoming um, immersed in that culture, in that language, and so much so that I start cooking food and I become one with it. You know, I make it a part of my daily life. You know, it is another part of my identity. You know, just because you're born from somebody doesn't mean that you have to live the cultural identity of your your homeland that you were born in or the family that you were born to. Um, And for me, I really resonated with this talk a great deal. Um, You know, I also resonated with the fact that people can be stereotypical, you know, because they automatically assume based off of looks or based off of of name, you know, birth name, for instance. You um, might be a different, you know, uh, ethnicity. And, you know, I mean, you could have been adopted and had your adopted dad's name or mom's name, but just because you're not blood-related doesn't mean you're not family. And, you know, or you're not legitimately 
um, uh, you know, of Hispanic heritage or French heritage or Arab heritage. You know, it's all about how you feel as a human being and what connects you to that language or that culture, that place of origin. And if you set roots down in multiple places and you find different homes in multiple places that you feel comfortable with other than your your birth country, that's fine too. I mean, I I have, for example, I love Atlanta, Georgia. I love North Carolina. I love New Jersey. And I love California. But I can't stand Ohio. And I live here. So that tells you something. Um, you know, I, I feel like a totally different person in those states. So for me... That's my connection. You see what I'm saying? But I really did enjoy the fact that she brought up these um, elements of, of, you know, cultural and social, um, you know, identification with one um, self. And I mean, because, you know, everyone has different identities, whether it's professional, religious, you know, um, political, whether it's economical, you know, um, you can, you change, um, based off of, you know, the environment that you're in, you know, the tone of voice you have, the way that you speak, the way that your body language is carried, so forth and so on. And, you know, this was a great talk that I really enjoyed you know, it, it made me really think about, you know, me moving around when I was younger and having to switch up my identity from one moment to the next because you had to be able to fit in. And, you know, I, with languages, you know, I knew some sign language, I knew some Spanish, but depending on the person I was with, you know, it depends on how I would interact with that group of people or person. And, you know, it wasn't until I really got into language learning that I realized, you know, okay, well, yeah, this there is some truth to this because I could be speaking French and people are like, do you speak English? You know, now, are you asking me that because you um, don't like the way I speak French? Or is it because I impress you that much with my accent? Which 90% of the time it was me impressing them with that accent. And I, I personally feel that, uh, you know, it's something that it, I think everyone struggles with. But Lena puts it in such a way that it's okay to call yourself a global citizen. It's okay to have multiple identities. It's okay to speak multiple languages. It's okay to have multiple homes in different places. You don't have to live in the same place that you grew up in. You can have a different home base in a different state or a different country, for instance. You know, it might not be permanent. It might be temporary. But at the same time, you have experiences with people and and, and cultures and um, other environments that you wouldn't have had otherwise if you wouldn't have taken the chance to learn this language and make it your own. And I have to say, I took a lot from this um, particular talk, um, and I really enjoyed it a great deal. I do have to say that I also enjoyed listening to Sylvia 
Elfin Waters and Barbara Rocha. They are the co-hosts of an Italian conversational podcast, which they started three years ago. No, no, they met three years ago. Let me take that back. And on Instagram, and then they started a chat group to, um, you know, practice their Italian and um, Elfin helps people learn um, Italian in small bite-sized ways. Sylvia is a language coach and, you know, helps people learn languages in that way. Um, Barbara is someone that is greatly um, artistic, expressive person that loves food and um, very outgoing, um, enthusiastic um, person who, you know, is a go-getter and, you know, likes to have conversations with people. Um, They all are different in their own way. And they came up with this podcast a year and a half ago called um, Come Parole Parole Nostra. And they have very honest, non-scripted conversations about topics that revolve around them, their lives, in basic Italian that everyone could get on board with, I would say. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of different podcasts over the years in Italian, and a lot of it is, oh, let's see how you speak Italian, and, um, you know, can you learn the subjunctive, and can you learn, you know, this verb content? you know, verb tense, so forth and so on. And their podcast is totally different. I mean, it's like you're having a conversation and they're 100% blunt. So what you hear is what you get. Um, you know, they take a lot of time to make sure that the content that they're going to be promoting is going to be um, something that they all can agree upon. And sometimes it doesn't always pan out the way that they want it to. But in any type of collaborated effort, when you have more than one person working on a show, you will have differences of opinion. Some people might like to do things at the last minute. Some people might want to do things right away so they can get it over with. And I love the fact that they have a warm and friendly way of approaching creating a podcast. Um, And they have three different dialects of Italian. You know, um, Elfin is Italian-American and Barbara and Sylvia are Italian. And Barbara lives in London and um, Elfin and uh, Sylvia live in Tuscany in the southern portion of Italy. And it's really interesting to know, um, you know, they were like, we try to speak, you know, a standard version of Italian because, you know, trying to speak three different dialects 
um, might confuse the listeners. And I, I think that's kind of cool to even admit that you actually have three different dialects, which is great because Italy is very vast and it has so much culture and richness. And I love the fact that they want to give a positive spin on Italian um, culture and different topics that happen in Italy. You know, and I think at this time when having, you know, the pandemic and everything, we need, you know, to have a positive spin on Italy and what Italy has to offer. I love Italian um, uh, a lot, to be honest with you. I've always had a love affair with Italian, uh, especially the fashion, the food, the people, the culture, the language, the history. And I mean, I've I've always been connected to it, it, Italian in Italy, and I'm not even Italian. My best friend's Italian, 100%, Sicilian and Italian-American. And she knows no Italian, but, you know, I got her to, to learn Italian, and we're going to be Italian buddies, and I'm actually going to have her listen to this podcast so she can pick up more Italian. You know, and this is her heritage language, not mine. And I love it. And I I find when three people can get together and they're they're so different, but they're so similar at the same time. And their love of the Italian language is so infectious. I have to always say I need to recommend, you know, this podcast. Como... Parole Nostra. And I'm going to be honest, like, I had a lot of fun listening to this podcast. It's really enlightening, engaging. There's so many different topics that you can listen to. It's not just, okay, we need to know the bad words. No, you need to know, you know, they're really talking from their heart and their feelings about different things that are going on in their lives. And I just love it. And I can't wait to hear more from them. So, molto grazie, mi amica. Qui una um, London. Italia, mi amica. Molto grazie, mi amica. E ciao, bella. Now, I have to say, um, I wanted to pick and choose which speakers I wanted to hear today because... Evidently, I can go through an entire list, but, you know, I wanted to choose which one stuck out to me the most. And Dr. Um, um, Cammie is an African-American woman. Who went to Spelman College, Howard, and 
she talks about language learning and learning Spanish. Um, teaching Spanish. And go, traveling over to Colombia and having to give a speech to an all-black Colombian group of people for which she wasn't even prepared for. She was prepared for the speech, but she wasn't prepared for what she saw when she got in the room. And, you know, anyone can go to school. They can take, you know, Spanish from the sixth grade on up and, you know, take the test. They can pass them, you know, but the more you immerse yourself in a language, it's not until you actually have to utilize it in a way that is for a professional setting. Um, you come to understand your appreciation of your own, you know, heritage um, language. And, you know, I love the fact that she actually said that she enjoyed um, really stepping into the world of Spanish culture as a black woman. And it, it gave her a new sense of her own identity. And to be able to teach um, children, especially black children, um, you know, bilingual language such as Spanish. And she has four children, ages 11, 9, and two twins that are seven, and they're speaking like three different languages. And, you know, when you are able to write a 20-page paper in Spanish, edit it in Spanish like you would English, that says that you have a command of that language. That says that you really enjoy that language. It's become a part of you. And, you know, when you're not able to really um, connect with a language, you know, because here in the U.S., even in the Latina community, there are plenty of Latinas that don't speak Spanish because their family wants them to be 100% Americanized, Anglo-Saxon. And, you know, okay, that might be because of the Caucasian diasporas um, that has influenced the majority of the world, not, not only the U.S., um, you know, and the fact that, you know, when you have people like Dr. Cami, who has published works, and for African Americans, if you're a published author of linguistics or anything that has to do with academia, um, you know, it's hard to get some type of vital recognition in the community academically or otherwise because of white society and it mostly being a populated male environment. And, you know, I think this needs to change personally. Um, you know, it's great to have the opinions of your Caucasian counterparts but there has to be more of the black diasporas to have a voice in linguistics and in uh, language pedagogy 
especially when it comes down to the African diaspora's pedagogy and how people are perceived to speak and to dress and to behave. And we're still being stigmatized on a daily basis when it comes down to how we communicate to the Caucasian society here in the U.S. and worldwide. You know, white culture has been embedded into every aspect of life, whether it's American Indian, whether it's Latina, whether it's Arab, whether it's Asian, whether it's, you know, the Afro-American community, whether it's, you know, from the islands, the Caribbean, um, Cuba, you know, Latina Americana Comunidad, uh, Especialmente, uh, in uh, Otra uh, Parte Diferente El Mundo. Uh, entonces, um, Soy Americana, País, entonces. Um, you know, esta muy problema para um, mucho otros uh, personales en la africana um, y latina comunidad. Um, cuando um, aprendo otros idiomas, especialmente el español idioma. But I will say because, you know, being able to be bilingual and deal with the cultural um, rejection of, you know, society that doesn't look like us. It it can be quite daunting to want to continue to learn a language, study a language, make it a career, start a school, teach people, write books and journals, and try to publish them. And Dr. Cami has done this with great class, sophistication, ease. Um, you know, I give her credit for going into that room of Afro... Colombianos and speaking their language and I'm sure that they were shocked to hear a black woman from the U.S. speaking their language that that says something you know we're all interconnected in so many ways and you know a lot of African Americans here in the U.S. are studying Spanish and are connecting with their Spanish roots you know, or uh, roots from other countries where their origin may lie, you know, genetically. And I really enjoyed this talk because, you know, she works very hard to make sure that young people can learn, you know, Spanish or any other language for that matter. And what really shocks me is that, you know, we don't see a lot of black women in today's world that, you know, are doing this. And I'm very proud to be 
able to talk about Dr. Cammie. Um, and if you haven't already bought your ticket for Women in Language, please do. Um, at womeninlanguage.com up until Sunday the 20th. It's $29. And, you know, you can read more about Dr. Cammie. Um and her story, which I really enjoyed. Um, I also want to say that I enjoyed the whole theme of language preservation, especially with our speaker, who is also um, of Nigerian um, Nigerian roots. Her family from were from Nigeria, and she was born in the U.S. And um, I'm going to have a disclaimer. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Ifuno Nanawa Nanaya Naiwanaineraya. Um. She is someone that learned the Igbo language. Her parents hailed from Nigeria. And she moved over to Nigeria for six months and learned the Igbo language, its customs, cultures, traditions, she even created a podcast and a conversational group in order to be able to continue helping people learn Igbo. Um, she actually tried to get her mother to have her speak Igbo to her, but she found that just because somebody knows their language, um, you know, from birth doesn't mean that they're the best teacher. And so she had to find other ways to learn Igbo. Um, so because there wasn't a lot of resources, you know, um, she went to um, Nigeria and, you know, figured out a method of her own to be able to have people help her learn Igbo. And she took that method and taught other people Igbo and continues to um, promote the cultural um, restoration of the Igbo language. She also promotes that others should try to continue the cultural restoration of indigenous languages that happen to be from Africa that aren't spoken like Zulu, Afrikaans, or Swahili. And um, because if you live like not very far outside of uh, the main town of Nigeria, main capital city, you know, people can learn English, but it might be Pigeon English. Um, you know, so it, they they do a hybrid of code switching. And they, they probably wouldn't learn the Igbo language because of the fact that they learn a Pigeon 
version of English. Um, you know, I found that to be very interesting that, you know, if you live outside of a city, for instance, you know, because they're not exposed to the language, they go with the language that's right in front of them instead of wanting to learn Igbo. And I was really fascinated by the fact that people wanted you to be um, learning anything but Igbo because of the stereotypes and the negativity and the flack that was, um, you know, given to them by the people who, you know, try to destroy any way for these people to keep their their language. Um, you know, I mean, evidently a French or German, Spanish, English, Arabic, all comes into play because of colonization of these other countries. And you have an entire group of people where their language is about to be wiped off the face of the earth because of profitability issues and economic issues. And this is better for you because you'll be more westernized. Well, that's kind of sad because you want to be able to preserve your language, your culture, your way of speaking down the generations. Because if you don't and you just go with what everybody else does, you lose sight of something that's so precious and pure. Um, and language is not something that you want to forget. You know, it's a gift. And I love the fact that, you know, um, if you are offered a particular meal and it has some type of spiritual blessing, significance, you know, don't just turn that food away. You might not know what real value that plate of food has. You know, learn from people that are older and wiser and that have learned the language and, and you know, that have lived in that particular town or city. Um, the fact that she went over to Nigeria, took a risk, left her family, and, and wanted to really learn Igba Boo um, was quite brave, um, especially when you are a black woman. You know, because a lot of times, you know, they want you to learn English, Spanish, some Western language. You know, trying to learn a language that you're, you're from your own roots, I would say, your own people. Um, even when your own parents want you to learn something else. Th that, you know, that says a lot. And it was great that her parents were able to encourage her after the fact to continue speaking it. And that she forces them to speak with her in Igbo, along with her boyfriend, which I thought was awesome, you know, um, in order for her to keep up her own language skills. And the fact that she started a podcast show to teach other people the language is a great way to keep the preservation of that language alive. And yeah, you can find other uh, resources such as colloquial languages. Uh, Mango Languages has an Igbo course. I think Pimsleur does. Don't quote me on that. Um, you know, and I, you know, I just, I, I want to say, um, thank you, Ifunania, for your talk. I really appreciate it. 
And I'm going to say uh, as Asanti Sana um, Ifunanaya um, Which means thank you very much in Swahili For your talk It was really inspirational um, I finally want to say That I really enjoyed today's um, Women in Language It talked about you know, a variety of different um, topics ranging from cultural identity, ranging from um, shyness and how to overcome that when, when you're dealing with language learning. Even a topic about how to say um to stop saying I'm sorry when you're speaking in a foreign language. I mean, I know plenty of ESL learners that do that all the time and I tell them don't be sorry because you're learning the language. That's a very brave thing to do. You know, it takes a lot of guts to learn someone else's language at an adult level. You know, people think that you are supposed to be someone that speaks a language um, from birth and that that's how you do it and that's not always the case. You know, how you learn when you're a child is totally different than how you learn when you're an adult. And you should never apologize for learning a language, making a mistake, because that's what we all do. I even do it myself. And, you know, I want to say that um, I really enjoyed these talks today. Um, I can't wait until tomorrow. So if you want to join us for the final two days of Women in Language, um, you can go to womeninlanguage.com and pay $29. And, um, you know, join us there tomorrow at 3 a.m. Um, Pacific Standard Time. 9 a.m. Germany, London, France time. 3 p.m. Australia, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Thailand time. So, Asantasani, Kuhari, Garo me mali agat mihara, which means a thousand thank yous, my friends. Slon, bye. Gule gule, befandom ye hafandom. Chok in tashiktala. Bye bye, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much in Turkish. Svaizu bashayazam. Paka-paka.